Hi, everybody. I wanted to start this episode with where I'm going to be and what I'm going to be doing in the next few months. So you can pay attention if you want to join any of these. The first three are coming up in February. I mean, I'm doing workshops all the time. Also, if you get on my website and you want to book a workshop for your family, you want to book a workshop for you and your best friend, you want to book a workshop for you and your partner, you can book and do it whenever. Um, People are always asking me, well, when's your next workshop? Whenever you want it to be, basically. I'm doing workshops all the time. There are specific ones that I'm going to tell you about today. But also, if you want to book a private workshop for just you and your family, that's something that I do all the time, too. So you don't have to be bound by what is coming up. You, If you are in the area or you know you're going to be in the Portland area at a certain time, you can just reach out to me and we can make something happen together that works perfect for you and your family. But in February, I have my Pal O'Minds Day Mindful Archery Workshop. That is February 12th, 2 to 4 p.m. That's in Washington Park. And what that workshop is, is geared for friends. You and your friends coming out, having a positive experience together, doing a little bit of mindfulness and a lot of shooting and leaving with all of the skills that you could possibly want to do archery wherever you are, wherever you live and whenever you want. And then the next workshop I have is Galentine's Day Mindful Archery Workshop. That is February 13th. I have two that day. I have a 10 a.m. to a 12 p.m. or a 2 p.m. to a 4 p.m. And that is for anybody identifying as a woman. So get your gals together and come and do that mindful archery workshop. It's a really great bonding and empowering experience to feel your power in your body and allow the joy and the freedom of that to flow out between you and your friends. It is in honor of Leslie Nope and her celebration of female friendship. So that is February 13th, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. or 2 to 4. And then I have my Valentine's Day workshop, which is for the lovers or the non-lovers or people that are hoping to someday be lovers. (laughs) You can come out and with your partner, you can have a bonding experience, do a little mindful walking in the woods, which is what I do in all of these workshops, and then shoot and feel the joy of encouraging each other, maybe a little healthy competition, whatever you're into. It is super fun. And that's February 15th, two to four. Or again, like I said, you can reach out to me and if you want to book a private workshop just for you and your partner or your potential love interest, you can do that as well. Just go to angiefatal.com and go to my shop and reach out to me that way. Or just email me at angiefatal at gmail and we can do it that way too. I'm open to all kinds of communication. The other really exciting thing I have coming up is for all of you that live in or around Charlottesville, Virginia. I will be coming to Charlottesville April 30th through May 4th. I will be doing mindful archery. I will be doing meditative archery. I will be doing meditative labyrinth walking. And if I have enough people interested, I'll be doing my archery for the whole family workshop, which is usually ages 10 and up. And for the family, however your family is made up, it could be grandparents with grandchildren, aunts and uncles with children, but it is geared for teaching children archery, which works for adults too, but it is, um, you know, everything is geared toward the child. Anyway, that is in Charlottesville, Virginia. I've had some dear friends that live there and I've been trying to get there for a while Again, that is April 30th through May 4th. Also, I will be coming to 
Tomball, Texas again, which is right outside the Houston area. The plan is to come at the end of March, beginning of April. We're still trying to work out the dates on that, but I will be in the Houston area in Tomball, Texas, doing the same thing, doing the mindful archery, the meditative archery, and the meditative labyrinth walking, if you're interested in that. Or what has kind of randomly happened, which has been really fun, is I have started to do bachelor parties and bachelorette parties. I didn't come up with this. Um, some people reached out to me in Portland a couple years ago and I did my first bachelor party, which was super fun. I brought voodoo donuts and we did a little mindful walk and we did shooting and there was like eight guys and it was really fun. A lot of laughter, a lot of, um, you know, fun jabbing between friends. And then uh, when I went to Tomball last year, a woman reached out to me because she wanted to do something unique for her sister who was getting married, who she felt like was not really into the traditional bachelor or bachelorette, you know, get drunk, go party, whatever. Which if you're into that, that's fine. She was like, that's not really my sister. I, th- I want to do something different for my sister. So I think I had six to eight women at that time too. And it was so fun. We just laughed our asses off and shot. And um, so that's an option too. Something that a lot of people don't know is I also do corporate team building workshops, which is you can pick between the different things that I have, you know, the mindful, the meditative, and the labyrinth. You can do all three, or you can do one, and I can set it up specifically to help your team either unlock something that they've been working on, build connection with each other, and encouragement, and it's just, you can't walk away from the archery experiences not feeling more powerful and empowered. So those are the things that I have coming up on the horizon. One other thing that's in the works for those of you in the UK, I'm working with a friend, Pippa Gordon, to bring these workshops to the UK, possibly this summer. So just keep paying attention to that. I'm very excited. I tried to do these workshops, went to the UK and to the Netherlands, and I was just going to bring like a bow to be able to teach my friends, Um, you know, just have a good time and teach them a little bit of archery while I was there. And it never ended up working out um, because I was a little bit afraid of bringing my equipment. Probably wouldn't have worked in my carry-on. So I didn't really know how to navigate that. And now I've traveled so much with my equipment, I know how to navigate it. But um, I am very excited about the possibility of bringing this to the UK. So please stay tuned for that. And thank you for listening. And there is a lot more to come in this episode. another episode of Soul Care with me, Angie Fatal, and my two sidekicks, Artichoke and Pepper. They are right now lounging in their bed, but I'm sure at some point, like in most of my episodes, you will hear them either scratching themselves or barking at somebody walking by. So stay tuned for that exciting bit. Um, today, I wanted to talk about who I am and what I do I think that's something that I could definitely improve on. 
is letting people know who I am, especially as a business owner. Um, talking about myself. I mean, isn't that pretty much what this whole podcast is, is me talking about myself and talking to my friends about themselves? Anyway, but for somebody that talks a lot about my own emotional intelligence journey, my own journey with trauma, my own journey at trying to live as a fully functioning human being in the world, I don't talk a lot about what I do and what it is. And I think that's kind of strange because when I went into spiritual direction, which is what I do and what I got my degree in pretty much, um, I had no idea what it was. And I remember getting on the internet. So this is like probably 14 years ago now, I looked it up on the internet. Um, I think I called it spiritual direction. Who knows what I even called it. And all of this weird stuff came up like, <laughs> like it was, you know, I don't, it was they didn't use words like witchcraft, but demonic, I don't know, just all of you who have been raised in any kind of church environment will know all those trigger words, but I couldn't really get an answer. So I reached out to a friend of mine who I think I had seen her post something, my friend Rachel, and she lives on the coast of Canada. And I remember, I think I emailed her and just said, hey, I think you had posted something about spiritual direction. Can you help me understand what it is? And she's the one that clarified to me what it is. And so coming into this podcast, I'm not really coming into it, you know, trying to teach you all about spiritual direction, but it is something that I do. And it's something that I'm passionate about that now I call soul care. Um, Cause I don't know, maybe people don't know what soul care is either, but I felt like so few people really knew what spiritual direction was and were thrown by the title that I just had to eventually kind of ease my way out of that language because nobody really knew what it was. But again, if you don't know what it is, then it's my job to kind of help you understand what I do. At least I think it's beneficial. Um, so I'm going to define what I think soul care is or spiritual direction. I went to George Fox. Now it's called Portland Seminary. Um, and I graduated in the beginning of 2011 or I finished my requirements as a spiritual director to get certified, which is you have to... Um, like a counselor, you have to have observed hours, but not nearly as many as a counselor or a therapist does. Um, but how I see spiritual direction is, I yes, I have a degree. I went to school. I spent a lot of time um, working towards that. But I am not more advanced than you are. It is a therapeutic environment that I create for you to be able to talk about whatever you need to talk about. It is not therapy, but there are therapeutic modalities, I guess, within that. And what I mean by that is we might touch on things that maybe you and your therapist would work on, but I'm not a therapist and I will always point you back to either getting therapy because if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know, therapy is a high, high priority for me. I have been in therapy on and off for the last 20 years, 20 plus years. And um, I will be on and off in therapy for the rest of my life. Because I think most of us need help. How it's different is I am creating the space and I don't have as many limitations maybe professionally as a therapist would. 
I don't say that to say I'm going to poke at you to try and get you to feel or do things. I'm saying that I can then take us outside for a walk. I can meet you in, you know, the woods for a hike. We can sit by a stream. I can meet you in a coffee shop. My lim- I don't have those same kind of limitations. I can meet you at the archery range and we can shoot for an hour while talking. I have a lot more flexibility in what I can try to hold space for you. And what spiritual direction is, it's me creating a safe space for you to talk about whatever you need to talk about. Typically, it's centered around the spiritual life. So I I particularly, in my practice, spend a lot of time with people deconstructing their faith. Not necessarily Christians. It could be anybody that's had any kind of religious upbringing that needs to kind of unravel the toxicity of that, the shame of that, the restrictive nature of that, or just how do I form my own thoughts as an adult when I've been given all these rights and wrongs to live by? And I don't necessarily believe those rights and wrongs anymore because I, me personally, as a spiritual director, am way more interested in the paradox of faith and not having the answers and realizing just when I think I've come kind of formulated my understanding of something that because I'm open, it's going to shift and change. And what I say to you now is not written in stone. I'm constantly evolving as I believe we should be as humans, constantly evolving to greater understanding of who we are in the world and who we are in relation to each other. So because of my background and my own work in my own self-care, emotional intelligence, um, my own PTSD, I have a unique perspective to be able to hold space with whoever and whatever you're going through and not have a judgment. The thing that I like about deconstruction and the way that I look at deconstruction is we're not in deconstruction together to necessarily figure it out or for you to deconstruct enough to go back to the church. We are holding the tension of not knowing where you're going to end up. And sometimes we can do that and sometimes we can't. Sometimes we have to kind of hold the space of, I need to know that I'm going to go back to a church, a synagogue, a temple in order for me to look at these other things. And that's fine. Again, there's no, there's no right way. It's being okay with the unknown as much as you can be okay with the unknown and that you are worth, for lack of a better word, a traveling companion on the way that there's nothing wrong with you. In fact, you're very normal if you're questioning what you were given. And sometimes in the churches, in the institutions that we're in, whether it be religious education or um, maybe your job, you are not given the liberty to explore what you think, who you are, and be okay with not knowing. And I provide a space for you to talk about whatever you want. I will make suggestions about, hey, I tried this, you could try this, but my suggestions are for you to go, yeah, I don't want to try that. Sometimes we need to be in a place where we can say to another person that is maybe, you know, uh, I wouldn't say I'm over you, but if you're paying me, it's transactional. So for you to be able to assert your authority and go, no, I don't want to do that. And that is completely acceptable. And sometimes that's all we need is to be able to say no to another person and for it to be safe. So 
that's what I do. I meet with people all over the world. Um, I meet with people face to face. I have a client that as much as we can, they love to be outdoors. And so I meet with her and we walk in the woods and we talk the whole time. I have other people that um, really benefit from sitting in nature. And so I meet with them at a park or at a seat in the woods and we sit and do our appointment there. It's, it's all open. It's all worth trying. And whatever helps you to be in that place where you can be more vulnerable um, within reason, I'm willing to try. There are restrictions to that um, with people that don't live in my area. I had a client for many years that lived in rural Canada and we met on the phone. We tried, um, you know, FaceTime or one of those apps for a while, but it was just, you know, it was buffering all the time. So the phone worked the best. So some people prefer to not see the person they're talking to. Some people have a really difficult time engaging if they don't see the person face to face, um, or at least, you know, technology face to face. I've met with somebody in Australia, was 19 hours difference, and we made it work. I've met with somebody in Hawaii. I meet with people all over the place. So you don't have to be restricted to place. We don't have to live in the same town for me to meet with you, for us to establish intimacy and vulnerability with each other in order for you to feel safe and confident to say whatever you need to say and for me to hold that space for you. I meet with a spiritual director. I have, how can I tell you, hey, you should do this because it's really meaningful and it's helpful to wherever you're at, find a spiritual practice that works for you. Now, let me, okay, I'm going to backtrack. So how can I ask you to do that if I'm not willing to do it and I don't have a high value on it? Again, I find it very valuable to meet with a spiritual director. I've met with the same spiritual director now, I think for almost nine years. I'm terrible. You, you all know that listen to this, that I'm terrible with dates. Anyway, it's been a long time. Now we don't meet every week. We meet, um, sometimes in the past we've met once a month. Sometimes we've met every six months. It depends on where I'm at in my life how often I can meet with her. I am trying to meet with her more because I've taken on more and it's good to have that connection with her and have somebody also that can, because she's also trained in supervision, which means um, she can, it's all kinds of mumbo jumbo, but she can help people get certified in what I do. So she has the background to be able to hear me um, and hold me accountable with clients. So it is, you know, it's all the same requirements as a therapist has. What you say to me, um, I am sworn to keep between you and I, and I will not reveal anything you say um, ever. It's a sacred contract, and it's also a, you know, a contract that I take very seriously, that what happens between us stays between us. Um, so I have a high value of meeting with a spiritual director. Um, you've, it's the same with therapy. Find somebody that understands you. I didn't want to meet with a spiritual director that's going to be offended by swearing. So I'm not going to meet with somebody that's hyper-religious because, one, that's not who I am. So I don't want somebody to scripturize me or tell me what I should and should be, shouldn't be doing. And also, a spiritual director should never be doing that. But I also wanted to meet with somebody that could handle the emotions that I bring into a room and hold those with me. And my spiritual director can definitely do that. So I started to segue into how often I meet with her. What I recommend to my clients is when we first start, if possible, meeting every week for a couple weeks or maybe three weeks in a row. 
so that we can establish relationship. And if if they can't do that, if they can't afford that, then meet with me every other week for at least a month to kind of like get to know each other, build a relationship. And then from there, once once a month is good or whatever works for you. Typically, people meet with their spiritual director, you know, if it's new and if it's the first couple of years, like every month. As time goes on, maybe they'll meet with their spiritual director every three months. And then sometimes if things um, are are tense or they need a little bit more care, they might up it to every other week. It's the same with a good therapist. They're going to offer you different options. Um, But I just suggest that so in the beginning um, we can build a relationship. But I have people that like to meet with me every other week because... In that time, at least they know in that time, I'm going to set a space for them to. Um, so I'll, what I'll do is I'll map it out for you. You meet with me, you show up at my house or we meet out in the woods and I say, hey, how do you think you want to start? Do you want to start with a meditation? Do you want to start with a little bit of breath work or silence? And then... Or do you want to just get into it and start talking? And so maybe you've had a really busy day. And so for the first five minutes, you want to just breathe and kind of be silent. I provide that space for you and I will walk you through that space. Or maybe you want me to lead you through a meditation. So I will kind of talk to you maybe about how do you want to do a body scan and I'll provide that meditation practice with you or you want to just me to just do a meditation with you side note I do meditations so often I'll just create one on the spot maybe a loving kindness meditation or breath work meditation or like I said a body scan and sometimes I just go with I think maybe you would benefit from this today this type of meditation, how does that sound? But you are the orchestrator of your own experience with me. That said, I'm not putting the pressure on you. I'm just kind of saying whatever way you want it to go, we can go. So that can be a little bit awkward in the beginning. So what I usually say is, since we don't know each other, how does, I'm not expecting you to just launch into your story. How about I ask questions and then we build from there. And I think it's really good um, because you can kind of say what you need at each session. And I have people that never want to start with silence or meditation. They want to immediately start talking. <clears throat> so anything goes and I create the space for anything to go. (laughs) So that is kind of how I see spiritual direction. I'm holding space for you to deconstruct, reconstruct, not construct at all, rage against the institution of religion, rage against your own trauma. Also piece yourself back together in a space where You're not going to be judged for different things that you've done to survive. Because who am I to judge? I've done so many things that maybe weren't. Now I see maybe that wasn't the best thing for me, but that's what I knew how to do. And so it was, you know, the only thing that I could do at the time to kind of hold myself together until I could get a therapy, you know, be, um, do some mindfulness or learn some meditation or whatever. But I am not afraid to hold that space with you. And in fact, it is a privilege for me to hold that space with my clients. So that is spiritual direction. And you might be wondering, well, what does that have to do with archery? And I think I've told this story before, maybe not on the podcast, but definitely on my IGTV video thing. Um, If you don't know what that is, it's the videos that you can do through Instagram. 
And I had wanted to do archery my entire life. I mean, so desperately. Think, (laughs) I saw the movie Ivanhoe (laughs) when I was probably um, maybe seven or eight. It's an old movie. And now I think I want to watch that tonight if I can even find it. I don't even know if it's possible. So this movie is about Ivanhoe. I think Ivanhoe is kind of like a um, Robin Hood character, but he has a bow. Pretty sure he had a bow and arrow. And I was like, what is this? This is amazing. I even, all you people out there, wrote a song to Ivanhoe. Pretty sure That is the first song I ever wrote down. I was making up songs all the time because I've been singing, you know, loving singing since I was old enough to talk. Um, And I started talking pretty early. But I fell in love with Ivanhoe. Now I'm a little embarrassed too because I have no idea what he was like. Anyway, it's probably total patriarchal bullshit. But anyway, something came alive in me. I loved the movie totally whisked away into the medieval stuff and archery and I wrote my first song to Ivanhoe have no idea what happened to that song and do not remember it or you better bet I would sing it to you right here right now because I am not embarrassed anyway I grew up in a small town full of hunters and loggers and people doing out outside stuff all the time, but never had exposure to, we're going to pause because my neighbors, no, we're just going to deal with my neighbor bringing their trash back. Anyway, never had exposure to archery, but always wanted to do it. Even went to a few summer camps where I got to do rappelling and whitewater rafting, but never archery. I didn't do Girl Scouts or anything like that. So that makes sense. But When I, about, now it's probably nine and a half years ago, I talked about it all the time. Every time a movie would come on where somebody would be doing archery, I would be like, oh my God, I have always wanted to do that. Any cartoon, it didn't matter. I would be like, Todd, I want to do that so bad. But I had no idea how somebody does it. Now it's much easier. I mean, It could be, I think it's easier because I do it and so I see it everywhere, but I think it is easier. It's more out into the world. There's more shops where you can go in and do an, you know, shoot in an indoor range or take lessons, but I didn't even know how to do it or how to begin. And so we have a friend, Abraham Burns, who has been shooting in his family. His grandmother is an archer. His mother is an archer. He and his brother grew up doing archery. He is a world champion archer. And he's really good. And one, it was Mother's Day. I always think it was my birthday, but Todd reminded me recently it was Mother's Day. I thought we were going on a hike um, up in Washington Park. And... Hey, knock it off. <laughs> I told you they would they would bark. And uh, anyway, we were going up to Washington Park. I thought we were going on a family hike. We get up to the archery range and Abe is there with a bow, with arrows, and I got my first lesson. It was life-changing. And the reason it was life-changing is for a lot of different reasons, but one of the main reasons is somebody took the guesswork out of it for me. I didn't have to figure out, I didn't have to go to a shop by myself, you know, shoot in front of people that I didn't know, get taught by somebody I didn't know. Abe was my friend. He was kind with me. It, you know, it made it very easy for me to try something that I had never tried before. Because for a lot of us, learning something that we have the potential to fail at in front of a total stranger is intimidating. Because, you know, maybe we're bringing our own shame into it, or maybe we've had a lot of experiences where somebody drew attention to our failure and didn't hold that space to go, hey, you're learning something for the first time. 
You're not going to be perfect at it. But Abe did that for me. And also, once I picked up all of the lesson things, like you do this, step one, step two, step three, and then I got into the movement of it, all of a sudden I could feel the shifting in my body. It's like I have not done anything that so quickly brings something into my body. And for a lot of us with trauma or with, you don't have to have trauma to sometimes have a hard time being in your body or identifying. You can have physical trauma where you had an accident and your mind, your brain isn't able to fire those messages that tell your body what to do. Um, archery can help with that. Um, so many things it's helped me to just center down in. So on very quickly, I realized I wanted to teach anybody that I knew that wanted to do it because it was if it was inaccessible to me, I didn't want anybody else to feel like it wasn't accessible to them. And that's kind of, I've learned over the years, that's kind of who I am. I don't want things to be elitist. When I, I wanted to learn how to roast coffee so bad for years and years and years, and I couldn't figure out how to do it, who to teach me, because it was a male-dominated boys club in Portland. And I finally got an opportunity to work at a coffee shop when the kids were in grade school. And so this is probably right before I went to school. Um, and one of the stipulations I said when I got the job, because we knew the person that was managing it, I really want to learn how to roast coffee. If I work here, can I learn how to roast coffee? Well, it was male dominant. They said yes, and then none of the men would teach me. A guy starts working with me five years, or no, I didn't work that long, a couple years after I got hired, and he immediately gets taught because he's a guy. And I was like, this is bullshit. I am willing, I am capable, I am able. And so we got a female manager, and she started, she made sure I got taught how to do it. And then I became one of the roasters. So once I learned how to do it, and then I learned how to do it on a popcorn popper, I was like, who in my community wants to learn how to roast coffee? I will teach you. Because I don't like those things that's... I, I Gatekeepers. I guess maybe that's what I'm reacting to. I don't like gatekeepers. I know that there are expertise and you should get paid for the things that you know how to do well. But there is enough to go around. So I am willing to teach you. I don't want you to then take and rip me off and steal my ideas but I am I willingly want you to have access to things that are male dominated or, you know, you have to have a certain kind of equipment to partake in it, like people that snow ski or cross country ski. You have to have equipment to be able to do it. And most of us can't just can't make the leap to go, I'm going to spend a thousand dollars on equipment for this thing that I don't even know if I'm going to like doing so what I've done is I quickly took two things that were setting me free and helping me to make a mind-body connection, and I made it accessible to my friends. And then out of that, out of those interactions, became something that then I created a workshop that would allow other people to do it and it's like a template for people to have an empowering experience every single time they meet with me because it works and I've done it over and over again. And the story that I've told many times and the story is as powerful now as it was when it happened is I took my friend up to do archery. She had a friend who took his life, did not leave a note, and she moved to Portland to kind of try and put her life back together because he was her chosen family. And so we started going up to the archery range and just shooting and talking, and eventually she got her own bow. And one day we were up at the archery range talking and shooting, 
And that's the other thing is sometimes when we're doing something, it makes it easier for us to be vulnerable. You know, if we're walking or doing archery or whatever it is, if we have movement, it, it one, it makes it easier to talk about, but two, gets it into our body and out of our body. Um, it's creating a system for release. So she was, she had the bow in her hand and she had put her arrow on and she was saying, I'm just so fucking angry. And she released the arrow and it flew out and hit the target and it was like, dwang, like a, like a cartoon. And she looked at me and she was like, that was so cathartic. And all of a sudden I was like, she was my proof to myself that this wasn't just for me, that this could be for everybody who has ever felt trapped or struggled with a difficult emotion or a relationship that they can't figure out or conflict or life transition. It works for everything. And I'm not bullshitting you. It really does. I have had people take the smallest thing because they didn't really know who I was and they were kind of nervous about doing it. They weren't, they were more interested in the archery than the actual um, emotional intelligence piece. And they still got a nugget. Every single person I've taken through this workshop gets a nugget. So it goes so perfectly with my whole practice is because my whole practice of spiritual direction, my whole practice as me, Angie, trying to be in the world and live is creating mind, body, spirit connections, mind, body, soul connections, where I have outlets to my rage and my anger. And I don't have to apologize for it. I don't have to pretend it's not there. I don't have to deny it. I can just express it. And so there are three ways that you can do this with me. The first is the meditative archery. The meditative archery is you meet with me, we do an intensive journaling prompt that's based in Carl Jung's shadow work. And the prompt is, it's all prompt led. So journaling kind of is a deceptive word because when most people think of journaling, they think of just like, you know, vomiting on a page. That is not what it is. I will give you a prompt and then you answer the prompt question. It's very clear, but it's also very fluid. And by the end, everybody ends up with some kind of nugget. They draw their target. And then I spend probably about five minutes teaching and then shoot for 45 minutes. And in that particular workshop, about halfway through the shooting session, once people pick up all the components and the instruction, then I return the person to the work that they did. And I remind them. And then at the end, we do a debrief. And there's a surprise there. And then it's over. So that's a two-hour workshop. It can be very intense. But the container is there and I have taken people from every walk of life from probably late 70s, 80s, down to, you know, eight, I think 18, no, eight, 17 or 18. No, I just did. Oh, sorry. I just did this in Colorado for the first time with three kids that had done my workshop there at least three times. And so I took them through the journaling. I think the youngest one in that workshop was 15. And then, so that's the meditative. And then the mindful is you meet with me. I give you um, basic mindful instruction, how I see mindfulness, how I believe mindfulness benefits us. And then we do a walk in the woods and somebody's very irritated outside. (laughs) 
because that works every time. Just keep honking your horn and people respond. Anyway, so the mindfulness is basic mindful instruction. You don't have to ever have participated in mindfulness ever in your life. And then we do a gentle walk in the woods or wherever I'm at in the world. And we talk or not talk. Usually for the first 10 minutes, I suggest, you know, we not talk. We just kind of get in the rhythm. And then a lot of people, it doesn't detract from their mindfulness to just talk. So we talk. And then we come back and we make a target. Sometimes that target is very specific on what that person is working on. Sometimes the person just wants to draw a target. And then it's um, shooting instruction and then shooting for 45 minutes. And then a little bit debrief. And then a surprise also. And then we're done. And that's also a two-hour workshop. And then... The other thing, I do have a family-friendly one and a youth one that sometimes I take to, like, youth groups or um, if you have, you know, a group of, your kids have a group of friends that they want to do archery with, I'll do, like, a tiny bit of mindfulness, a short walk, or mindfulness being, like, self-love motivated because very often in young people, junior high and high school, they are already receiving so many damaging, so many damaging slashes at their character. They've already been bullied. They've had destructive friendship relationships. And so the mindfulness that I'm focusing on there is here's what you've been told, but here's the truth about who you are. You are worth loving. No matter what your group of friends told you, no matter what that bully communicated you, no matter how hard school is, um, that's not a reflection on the truth of who you are as a person. So I bring that in. And then also with the um, archery for the whole family, it's a small mindful piece like that to just kind of center us. and And then those workshops are an hour and a half. Because I have learned the, you know, the attention span when you have either varying ages, like from 10 to 30 or from 10 to 18, and you're teaching a lot of different ages, it's just an hour and a half works the best. And then the last thing that I have that I've been doing for a few years now is my husband and I built our own labyrinth and it's amazing and super portable and so I bring that with me I set it up somewhere in a park or out in the woods wherever whatever we have access to in the place that I'm in and then I do the journaling like I talked about with the meditative archery I do that same journaling um, for the labyrinth and then I talk a little bit about different ways to engage the labyrinth and then the person walks the labyrinth for however long they want. And then at the end of that, there's again a debrief and a little surprise and then it's done. So that one's two hours too. So those are the things that I do. And I know that it's sometimes it's complicated Because when you do something, of course you think it's awesome. If you didn't think it was awesome, what the hell are you doing it for? (laughs) I mean, maybe you should stop if you don't think it's awesome. I do these things myself. I'm not saying to you, just like I said with the spiritual director, I am meeting with a spiritual director because I find value in it. It has created a space for me to be fully honest with another person about the difficulties in my spiritual life or the things I'm trying to create for myself, more openness, more more not having to be have the answer. And the same with these workshops. I'm not telling you they're empowering 
and then that's it. I am participating in it. I have had to take so many things to that journaling that I could not get to in therapy or in myself. I have had deep betrayals by friends that I was able to go up to the archery range, take myself through the journaling work, and unlock something that I had not been able to unlock. So I'll give you an example of that. Because as you know, I'm a strong believer in my own personal vulnerability and how that potentially can help you get at your own vulnerability. I had a deep betrayal from a friend. I had agreed to um, take his college class through the archery workshop. The school didn't have enough money to pay what I'm worth. And it was, you know, this is a few years ago. So I was like, I'm willing to work with you. I think it's really important. It's hugely empowering and releasing. And so I created a whole workshop specifically for his his um adjunct or no what is it called his his anyway the college group that was meeting together and would be meeting together for maybe two years or four years or whatever 16 people um and he he was able to pay me but like not even half of what I what I would be worth and so he said because we can't pay you what you're worth how about I bring somebody to film it? We have a drone. They can take amazing footage. And then you'll get something that you wouldn't probably be able to get. And I was like, oh my gosh, that would be amazing. So I did the workshop. I created space for 16 people to engage in the journaling and to learn archery. And it was amazing. And it was a beautiful day. And, you know, it's not easy to kind of hold, normally 10 people is my limit for a workshop like that. So I was pushing what I could do. And we had talked about that it would be slightly different than what I normally do, because I normally don't take 16 people at a time. Anyway, but it's, for me inside, it's a little bit chaotic to kind of hold that space. But when I was teaching everybody the archery, all of a sudden I realized I hadn't seen anybody taking pictures or video or anything. And so I went to him and I was like, hey, um, I don't see somebody. Where's the person that's going to take video? Oh, she's not here yet. It's totally going to happen. And then I'm deep in teaching 16 people archery. Luckily, there was um, one person that had done archery before. So I did get some help and that was awesome. Now I've learned how to, because that was many years ago, now I've learned how to kind of hold that space for that many people. But back then I, I needed some support. But somebody shows up, they're taking drone footage, everything. I'm doing the debriefing at the end. And all of a sudden I realize that the person videoing is gone. So I go to my friend and I'm like, hey, that was kind of weird. I didn't get interviewed I don't even think she got any footage of me. Um, how's that going to work for the video process? Oh, don't worry. I'll take care of it. It'll be it'll be great. So I don't hear anything. I never hear back about any video footage. I even wrote him and said, hey, can I get that footage? Because my husband and my son would be able to turn it into something for me. Nothing. So I'm at work one day. This is when I was tax season working for my in-laws. And all of a sudden, my phone's blowing up. My sister, my friend Tamara, my friend Molly, everybody's going, hey, have you seen that video of your workshop? Because you're not even in the video. And it was an advertisement for this school. I won't go into who it was. You can figure it out. I was completely erased from my workshop. And in fact, worse than that, it made it look like this friend that I had helped created this opportunity for his class to do this thing. And there wasn't even a person, me, leading it. I was devastated. 
I wasn't even mentioned. So they're using the video to advertise for the school. It's beautiful. I mean, the drone is going over the trees of Washington Park. You can see us down below shooting. I briefly, like, the camera scans me, but nobody knows I'm teaching. Nobody knows who I am. And in the, in the um, you know, the paragraph that talks about what it was, he's mentioned and my workshop's not even mentioned. And my friends are like, what the fuck? This is your workshop. What's going on? So I... I immediately wrote him and said, hey, what's going on? I wasn't told that this was going to show up. I've never been given the footage. Um, Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know it was going to happen. It surprised me too. Um, I'll link it to you. The bare minimum was done. And I was so angry. And really, because under the anger, I was hurt that I had gone above and beyond and created something beautiful and then was taken advantage of. And I had written to him and he was like, you're going to have to reach out to the person that did the video. So didn't even try to help me. Didn't even try to help to get, get me the footage. Barely made an apology. And I could not get over it. For months I was enraged. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't have a therapist at the time. So I didn't have somebody to talk talk to with about it with. And so finally, it was funny, it took me a long time to realize I, at this point, that I should do my own workshop. <laughs> but anyway, I took myself up to the archery range, and I took myself through the journaling. And I got to this point in the journaling, where I'm having a conversation with basically with myself. And I say to myself, I don't want to be the bitch. You know, if I say something again, I don't want to be perceived as the bitch. And my inner voice says to me, why do you think standing up for yourself is bitchy? And I don't. I don't think standing up for yourself is bitchy, but it's how you're perceived in the world that makes you feel that way. And so basically my inner voice told me exactly what I needed to do. So I crafted an email and I just said, hey, I am hurt by this. I don't think that the hurt was intentional. But the fact remains I'm hurt by this. I feel erased from my own workshop. And I feel really hurt by that. Would you please get me the video footage? I'm not getting a response from the student who took the video. So it's your job to get me that video footage. And it was really hard for me to write. I don't love confrontation, as I've said here before, but I did it. I had two people look at it um, that I trust, and they were like, you're a little harsh here, so maybe. Because I didn't, I wanted to be heard. I wanted him to hear, you hurt me. I know you didn't intend to do it, but the fact remains, I'm still hurt. I'm sitting here in the hurt. And... And the journaling and the shooting actually helped me move through the hurt into a place of power. And so I wrote him and I kind of just released it. And then I got this email back right away like, how could you say I hurt you? We will never work with each other again. How dare you? And I'm like, what? And I'm like totally shaking. We were never going to work together again anyway. (laughs) That was not going to happen. He taught me who he was. He taught me that he will not, one, do the bare minimum to make things right. And when he's questioned, he will not own any any part that he played in the things going down the way it did. And anyway, I was so angry. And then I was like, you know what? This is on him. I was kind. I was clear. And that's all I can do. And I released it. And then like 24 hours later, he wrote me back and he said, I realized that I had misread the email and you had said, I know you're not trying, you weren't trying to hurt me, but I am still hurt and I'm sorry for hurting you. And then he never did anything to resolve it. But here's what I'm trying to communicate to you. I got free without him. 
yes, it would have been nice if he would have sent me that video footage, if he would have said, I'm really sorry, here's what happened, and I own it. And even if he kind of half-assed it, it like, it kind of got out of my hands and then I didn't, I was so busy that I didn't know how to rein it in and I'm sorry for that. I'll take any sorry. But at that point, I didn't need a sorry for him. I got my power back without him. I didn't need him to give me my power. Are you hearing me? I didn't need him to give me my power. That journaling prompt gave me my power back because my inner voice knew what I needed and knew how to resolve it for me. And so that's how powerful this is. It was just me, this amazing journaling gift that I was given, you know, like, I don't know how many years ago now that I've been using ever since because it never has failed me. Sometimes I don't hear what I want to hear, but that doesn't mean it's failing me. Sometimes I have to do a hard thing that I don't want to do, but to honor my inner voice, I do it. And I do it when I feel like I have the strength to do it. So that's what this stuff does. And I have taken hundreds of people through the meditative archery and the meditative labyrinth to get at this. This journaling technique is also from a three-day workshop that I do. If you're interested in that, you can reach out to me because I have been working on a way to do that both in the physical in Portland and um, through whatever you call it, through, you know, technology, I guess. So that's what I want to leave you with is just this knowledge that there are there are tools that, yes, I completely believe in therapy. Like I said, I'll be doing therapy on and off for the rest of my life. I do self-study every day for the most part. Every day I have a book that is on emotional intelligence, on trauma, on mind-body connection, on whatever. Because... I'm not going to bring to you something that I haven't tried to look at myself. But there are other things that we can get in our back pocket that when we don't have access to therapy or for some reason we're just not feeling it and we, you know, can't get to our spiritual director or maybe they, it's just not helping in that moment. Then we throw at it what we know how to throw at it. Maybe that's the journaling, maybe that's just being in our body and shooting or walking or running or doing a meditation. Your spiritual practice is your spiritual practice. All of these things, yes, they're also trauma-related release things that I can do, but they are also spiritual practices. There are things that I know I have a toolbox full of things that I can try when what seems like the right thing to do is not working. And I can try a few things and I don't need to shame myself and say that there's something wrong with me because X, Y, and Z didn't work. So that's what I do the reason I do it is because I believe we are all, we all have value and we all should have access to things that can help us be in our bodies, be in our person, personhood better, to live fully who we are supposed to be. And I want to help you do that. It's, I'm passionate about it. And if you can't hear that, <laughs> then... Maybe I didn't get excited enough on this, but I am very passionate about ways of mind-body-spirit connection. So again, you can get on my website, angiefatal.com, and look at all the things that I'm passionate about and all the ways that I am in the world doing things and the things that I care about, my two main things other than just meeting with people and empowering women and um, fems is 
I want to help LGBTQAI, the AI community, um, be able to experience archery in the empowering ways that archery can help us be in our bodies. And then also a group that I'm very passionate about. If you've listened to the podcast with Tamia Deary and PDX Alliance for Self-Care, which it which is community care for black, brown, LGBTQAI um, communities, etc. Um, those are the two main groups that I'm passionate about and I work towards providing um, workshops for. Because you can't be everything to everybody, even if I try, <laughs> which I don't try. I used to try really hard to be everything to everybody. Now I don't care as much. So thank you for listening. I appreciate every listen, every like, every share. Please leave a review. It's important. I mean, the world is running on reviews now. So if you like what you hear, please, if you're listening on Apple, you scroll down. You get on Soul Care with Angie Fado. You scroll down and it'll give you the option to put however many stars, I think five stars, and then right under that, you can leave a review. And I really appreciate it. And please subscribe. Remember who you are. You are worth knowing. You are worth loving. You are worth being in this world. And I'll see you next week. Bye.